This April, Merely Role Players is launching Vigil the Great Fire, the newest instalment of their ongoing supernatural mystery series. A demon of annihilating flame has been stalking the English market town of Sheridan since the 1850s, and in the Great Fire, it finally reveals its endgame. In time, everything burns. Vigil is Merely Role Players' epic supernatural mystery story powered by the Monster of the Week role-playing game by Michael Sands. It's a tale of the misfits and weirdos who step up to protect their neighbours from things that go bump in the night, after the government cuts their small town's official team of monster hunters. With a big rotating cast and a thoroughly English take on Monster of the Week, Vigil is supernatural meets Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. Scroll back through the back catalogue of Merely Role Players to Playtime Act 1 to catch up and meet all the characters before their luck runs out. A quick content note here before we begin this episode of What Am I Rolling? This episode's one-shot, The Between, is an unavoidably dark game. Murder, body horror, dark sexual themes, spiders, threats to children and animals, foul language, blasphemy, witchcraft and defiling corpses are all things that come up in this game on a fairly regular basis. If you have suspicion that these game's themes are not for you, then this one-shot is probably not for you either, and that's perfectly fine. If you're not in the right headspace just now, please feel free to stop listening and come back if or when you're ready. Thanks again, and stay safe, my friends. Hello, and welcome to What Am I Rolling? A twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast, hosted by me, Fiona. This is part two of our Between One-Shot, so make sure you've listened to the first part before continuing on with this episode. To briefly recap, Nat, Strat, Helen and myself are playing residents of a place called Hargrave House, and it's our job to investigate and neutralise monstrous threats terrorising the city. Threats that Scotland Yard won't or can't handle themselves. We're currently dealing with the case of the spider silk seamstress. Sir Richard Harlow, an ally of Hargrave House, has been found dead, hollowed out and wrapped in silk-like threads. Hargrave House has learnt that a fey creature in the guise of an alluring fashion designer is behind the murder. Can our hunters stop this creature before she claims more victims amongst the London social elite? Well, only time will tell. The Between is powered by the apocalypse, meaning its mechanics are inspired, in part, by Vincent and Megge Baker's Apocalypse World. It's also carved from Brindlewood, meaning the mystery mechanics and procedures are inspired by Brindlewood Bay. Jason does an incredible job of guiding us through the between, going through the structure of play, explaining the different playbooks and moves, as well as being an excellent GM, so I don't want to dwell too much on how to play here, because frankly, he did such a great job, there's just no point in competing with it. The key thing to remember, though, is this. Whenever a player makes a move, they roll 2d6 plus a modifier from one of the five abilities. The five abilities are Vitality, Composure, Reason, Presence, and Sensitivity. Once they have rolled, they will check the result against the text of a move. If a move refers to a hit, it means a result of seven or more. If a move refers to a miss, it means a result of six or less. Moves also frequently have success tiers, normally going in this order. Miss, 7 to 9, 10 to 11, and 12 plus. Essentially, the higher the result, the more successful the move was. A massive thank you to Jason Cordova, the game designer behind The Between, who ran the game as a special two-part livestream for the Wear Twitch channel back in January. 
This episode's audio was taken from that live stream and edited down ever so slightly to be more friendly for a podcast audience. But you can watch the original stream on the Wear YouTube channel. I'll put a link to it on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode's show notes. Many thanks to the cast of Merely Roleplayers for joining me on this one shot. Merely Roleplayers is a podcast where theatrical people play role-playing games in the pursuit of maximum drama. You can find all things Merely Roleplayers at MerelyRoleplayers.com or search Merely Roleplayers in your usual podcast app. One last thing before we begin. Naturally, there are times in this one shot where the players and myself, mostly myself, get the rules wrong or forget something plot-wise. Whilst we always endeavour to stick to rules wherever possible, at the end of the day, we all make mistakes and what matters most is that everyone enjoys themselves. And with all that out of the way, let's get back to the between. The dusk phase is the next phase. This is just a little uh, preparation phase for the night. So let's, if you want to follow along with the phases on the very far left of the sheet, it looks like it's hidden. Let me unhide it. There is a, well, there's a tracker there normally. I don't know where it's at, but we'll just go through it. So the first thing we have to do is actually I'm gonna to have to pull up the rules because I don't remember off <laughs> I promise I promise I wrote this game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely wrote this game. If, I know I did. If it's okay if I ask a, a mechanics question then Jason. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, so do. obviously both myself and uh Jonas uh we we ticked off the ma- the masks, the Janus masks. Mm-hmm. About does that come later then? What, what uh, you can about? you can always do it during the dusk or the dawn phase. So um, yeah, so you'll you have your moment here if you wish in a minute. No, no, I just out of interest. So thank you. So for the dusk phase, we resolve any playbook moves or custom moves that are resolved during the dusk phase. I don't think we have any right now that are active. Um, and now I'm going to pose a paint the scene question about Hargrave House itself. So Hargrave House is a character in the story. Much like London is a character, Hargrave House is a character as well. And this is our opportunity to learn a little bit about Hargrave House. And so we assume that the characters all get back together before the night phase to chat about what they discovered. You share all your information, all that stuff happens. Show off your new gloves, whatever. And and that conversation is going to be happening in the trophy room. The question for the trophy room There were hunters living in Hargrave House before you. We've established that. Trophies from their encounters with the supernaturals can be found in the trophy room. Describe one. Just like a really long tooth. (laughs) Like, like it's a good, like, 15 centimeter, but longer needle-like rather than a big, uh, like, dinosaur-style tooth. I think... um... It's quite a cool visual. The scalp of a gorgon. So it's uh, just the scalp and then a lot of dead snakes. (laughs) That is really cool. I think on one of the many small tables that are like, almost like um, that you would put a drink on, there is a bell jar. And in the bell jar, just completely like, like just filling it is just um, a, it's just a, gas of some sort where it's sort of moving around constantly almost like a a really angry storm cloud and it's just it it's intense it actually feels very cold if you sit next to it so nobody takes that seat next to the bell jar storm so there is a frame on the wall and there is there's a, a, a not a full 
neat piece but like a scrap of paper inside and there's an etching of just what looks like a domestic cat but underneath it is is clearly language it's writing but it's not in lettering that that we can read love it I misspoke earlier. We do have a move to resolve right now, which is the quickening, which is the American's principal move here. <laughs> you live with a curse, Wild Rose, a curse that causes you to become savage, even feral, to the point where your body physically changes. At the start of the dusk phase, please roll with composure or sensitivity, your choice. I am also going to... No, I don't think your conditions actually really affect it. So just your choice, composure or sensitivity. Am I still intrigued and slightly concerned from earlier? You are, you are indeed still that. <laughs> <laughs> but, not, but not about this. Yeah, uh, just in general, a, yeah. a general sort of intrigue and concern. <laughs> oh, life. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to roll with composure, please, and not sensitivity. Go, with it, go for it. Oh, okay, okay. That's a nine on the dice. That's ten total. Whew. Okay, so it says on a 10 plus, your body is stronger and faster, and you manage to keep the quickening in check. You roll with advantage when taking actions that use vitality until uh, basically until the next morning. So nice. bear that in mind. Mm -hmm. And I think now that is the only that's mm -hmm. the only desk move. All right, let's keep going. We talked about Hargrave House here. We go around the table and everyone says what they want to do during this night phase. Now, bear in mind, the night phase, a couple of things. It's really fast. So, like, it's just like a one scene for each person total, basically. And you may not get to do what you want to do because the night belongs to me. Um, so, you, but I want to hear your thoughts, nevertheless. And so, um, everyone gets to say what they would like to do. And if anybody wants to revise their idea after everyone speaks, you can do that. There's Importantly, there's no discussion. You just say what you want to do. I will say that we have this Midsummer Masquerade that's happening tonight, which we know that Ms. Beaumont has um, been commissioned by some of the attendees to make dresses for. Uh, but there are other avenues of investigation, too. This might be a great time to go check out the shop now that it's closed, right? Like, actually go down there when no one, maybe when no one's around. So, although it's unclear if anybody was around before, but, you know, a little bit, a little bit of breaking and entering never hurt anybody. Um, but, yeah, but it's pretty wide open. You can kind of do whatever you want to do, but the Midsummer Masquerade is the thing that's happening tonight. Um, Mr. Hart, what do you want to do tonight? I, having been told about this um, spooky cellar, Balls, not my deal. Spooky cellars, that's where you can find a heart. Um, <laughs> so I think I'll take you off tonight and go, yeah, back to the shop and yeah. um, see what's down there. I love that. Uh, Granson, are you going to break away this time? You can always appear when you need to. Yes, no, because I do have a move that makes me do that, which I quite like. Um, I think, actually, I am going to... I, again, I know you said there's this ball happening, but actually, I think I'm going to go investigate this uh, Blue Feather Society. If they okay, sure. yeah. have a gathering tonight, I might go along to a talk mm -hmm. and sit there with my umbrella and see what's going on. Miss Fletcher? Yeah, I'm torn. Um, I, I want to go back and investigate the spooky cellar with backup, but I also kind of want to go to the ball, not as a, a guest, but... Uh, see uh, now that we know the kind of the style of the dresses um that the uh ms beaumont has created i wanted to go and tail anyone who might be wearing one of those dresses mm -hmm. to the ball 
to sit like on the off chance that if something happens, I can try and help them. Yeah, I love but, it. Miss Estrella, yeah. I imagine you would be expected at, at something called the Midsummer Masquerade, but maybe not. Yes, lace accessories are already laid out on the dressing table. Very good. <laughs> Fantastic. That sounds like a plan then. And at this point, anybody who has marked their Janus mask who needs to still do what it says uh, can do so now, or you can wait until the dawn phase. I think I will wait till the dawn phase for mine. Because, yeah, I've marked, just to, just to, for the stream, I've marked uh, the first one of the mask of the past for my one, because I don't think I clarified that earlier. I'll narrate. I've had, had a good time to, to think of mine. So I've got the uh, narrator flashback to your childhood that shows the first hunt you went on, and what about it disturbed you? So... The first hunt Jonas went on, I think he was maybe 11, 12, um, far, far too young, but that's probably an improvement in, in the world of the hearts. They've probably decided to let them get a little bit older in these more modern, enlightened times. And the way the hearts worked was you survive or you die. If you, if you die, you're not a heart. Um, so having taken the requisite training, a suitable target was uh, sought out, which was that of a, a vampire that was hauled up in um, uh, a house somewhere in London. And Jonas was driven up to it in a coach, put outside of the coach, and told to return to Hargrave House when it was done. And the reason this hunt disturbed Jonas so much was that... You know, despite them needing to make sure he was ready, they they weren't going to put him up against uh, an ages old vampire, and um, there had been a uh, a spout of a uh, pretty sick vampire that was turning children all across the city, and they had found one of the children he had turned, and so his first hunt was basically hunting down a child of similar age to him uh, and driving a stake through its heart. Thank you. And now I shall introduce the Unseen. Now, this is a strange thing. Uh, there's nothing like it in role-playing games, I'm proud to say. <laughs> the Unseen is a scene that takes place at the same time, the same night as what you're all doing in London. It has no connection whatsoever to the story. It is just a thing happening on the same night. It's it's an attempt to kind of show London as a huge metropolis, the biggest in the world at this point, right? But that doesn't mean it's not important. It's important because what we try to do with the unseen as we're narrating it, is we try to make thematic or sensory connections between the unseen and your Hargrave house scenes, right? During the, the hunter scenes. And so I like to give an example. If, for example, in The Unseen, we narrate a sex worker dying of consumption and we describe that person coughing up vivid red blood into a bowl, you might then describe at the Midsummer Masquerade a wide bowl with beautiful red flowers in it, right? That is, that's the connection between the two of them. Those connections are called echoes in the night. And you get an experience point at the end of the game if you do this. So 
um, if you're able to make that connection either you can make the connection either in either direction. So you can narrate something into the unseen that is reflective of something that's happened in the main scene or, or vice versa. And so that's sort of, uh, it's kind of tricky to get the handle of, but once you do, it's a lot of fun. I'm gonna introduce the unseen. You can follow along on the tab that says London at night, the unseen. We're going to be doing, I try not to think about too much. I like to just kind of randomly pick them. We're gonna be doing Brown's Hotel. That is on line uh, 21, uh, the second one over. I'll highlight it red so you can see. Got it. None of the 117 rooms at Brown's Hotel on Albemarle Street are the same, though they each have housed some of the most fashionable people you'll find in London or anywhere. A concierge, Teddy Miller, delights in spying on the hotel's posh clientele. Now we have four prompts here. I'm going to assign them to each of you. Uh, Fiona, you have prompt one. Okay. Um, Nat, you can have prompt two. We'll give prompt three to Helen. And prompt four will be for Strat. Brown's Hotel. Fiona, Teddy puts his ear up against the door of a wealthy young bachelor. What does he hear that makes him desperately want the life of this young bachelor? Ooh. So again, I, if you can imagine sort of the... Uh... The way sort of listens at the door it sort of goes through the wall and you see um basically a, a party going on uh there are beautiful people uh wearing uh or getting in in the process of getting unchanged and undressed and you see there are um easels around and it's almost like artists like painting and and just being fr frivolous and people are painting each other and stuff and it's just that the joy and this, the freedom, even behind closed doors, just to be themselves and not worry about what they're wearing and who's who and everything. You see, sort of, you know, it's, and at the center of it, you see the the young bachelor, the person that's sort of in charge of it, uh, sort of looking around, laughing, enjoying it, and like enjoying this 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 party that they have um, created, and not caring for the noise level or anything like that. It's just that moment of happiness, and I think that's what Teddy wants more than anything: is this tender happiness that he cannot have because he's on the outside, this sort of public-facing figure, whilst on the inside, people are having fun. Thank you. The Midsummer Masquerade is being held in, I don't know where, the ballroom's not important, but some ballroom. There are dazzling mirrored lanterns. Outside of the ballroom, there's a maze of statuary and potted plants. A swirling throng of costumed revelers dance with masks on and they'll dance until midnight or later let's paint the scene here um it's just for Ms. Estrella though guests travel from afar to attend this event each year each one more beautiful than the last Ms. Estrella what love interest or old acquaintance do you hope to meet here by chance so there was um there was a friend a few years ago a a young girl she was slight and blonde um and always um smelled of lavender um so if the scent of lavender is anywhere in the room it will um immediately have eve um turning her head i love it wild rose you're at the masquerade did you dress up for the occasion yeah, you know, I think she made uh, a little, little bit of effort. The uh, the outfit is, is 
it's much the same, but there's there's a a formal jacket over the top of the shirt. She's still got the, the little uh, bullet tie with the lapis lazuli, and it is a masked ball. So she's uh, she managed to find um, a molded leather mask of uh, hair with uh, long rabbit ears coming off. Yeah, she's sort of hanging around the, the outside, uh, watching the dancers, smoking a cigarette, and uh, just keeping a beady eye on everything, kind of rolling it between her fingers more than she is smoking it at the moment. Wild Rose, there is a young socialite, Ms. Sylvia Bellrose, statuesque in corset and shawl and not much else. Extravagant jewelry, heavy eyeshadow, although you can't really see it with the mask so much. A silver cigarette holder posed dramatically. She is sort of, well, until Ms. Estrella walks in, she's sort of the, the life of the party, right? She's sort of there. She's being focused on. She might even be the person that Ms. Estrella remembers, the old acquaintance, possibly. She's blonde, lavender, I won't confirm yet or not. But you notice something else, too. A pair of women wearing nothing but heavy black full-length veils, black lacy veils over them. They follow this young socialite, Ms. Bellrose. She goes outside to get some air, and they follow her. Now, they look strange, but it's a masquerade, so I don't know. But what makes it really stand out is they float when they walk. There's no apparent footsteps. They just sort of <laughs> glide over to do they look behind like, Ms. Bellrose. Do they look like they're following her um, and she knows about it and they're part of her coterie or are they they sneakily following her? Uh, they are. They're definitely not part of her coterie. They're like, I don't know how sneaky they're being, but yeah. they're, not, they're, they're not, they're not <laughs> yeah, with yeah. her. Yeah. Fine. Miss Estrella, are, are you well? First of all, Wild Rose, you're gonna follow them, or? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. I'm gonna, I'm mm. gonna head outside. Not as if I'm following them in a sneaky way. I'm gonna head outside with purpose to smoke my cigarette and uh, end up leaning next to uh, yeah. Miss Belrose. But if you wanted to do uh, Eve's scene first, that's fine. Oh no, that's it's, oh, that's perfect. Thank you, Miss um, Estrella. You do smell lavender. Do you follow your nose? Um, I think that would be too vulnerable a move. Um, So I think she will continue her attempts to circulate the room and ensure that she's been seen with um, Jonathan on (laughs) one arm and and, um, and someone, another young man on the other arm. And they're mainly to sort of like try and help make a way so I can yeah. actually get around and make sure that everybody has seen that I'm there. I love it. Um, we're we're going to talk about what you're wearing in a minute. But first, I want to go over to Granson. Granson, you're at the Blue Feather Society. They are having a meeting. They're, this is a, a society of people who study the supernatural, the occult, things like that. You have a very, very well-researched book about such things. You are also in the employ of someone who is uh, very dedicated to the re- these sorts of things. Tell me, 
what are they getting totally wrong right now? Oh God, it's terrible. Honestly, it, it, I think the thing that's that it grates because I think Granson keeps a stiff upper lip and doesn't like let anything away. But you can definitely see a, her eye twitch at the pronunciations of certain things, and they ju- just wildly inaccurate, uh, adding random umlauts and and apostrophes where there doesn't need to be any. Maybe if there's like leaflets or like bills of like what the presentation is and is looking down you can see definitely on on Granson's one there is like lots of crossing outs and like spelling mistakes <laughs> and so is is changing that as as they go to to basically fuel that set of venting of the misinformation that is being screwed around mostly about the pronunciations of the various names and and stuff the theory is not so much i think she's more it's she's okay with the misinformation a little bit because then it means they're they're off the wrong track whilst uh hardgrave house does the real work so, so she's not too fast but the pronunciations is like how could you get it so wrong you know <laughs> i love it thank you mr hart um i haven't told you to do so so do so now mark an x on your hunt for the way you dispatched the fey assassin okay okay but done. sneaking into a shop under cover of night that's definitely o behavior so mark an o as well oh no <laughs> but you get into the shop no trouble that's no difficulty at all you oh, are in the back of the house you see the stairs going down it's dark what do you do and she's brick room and very slowly being careful to listen for every creak of floorboard, move down the stairs into the darkness, allowing my eyes to become accustomed to it. I love it. Let's return to Brown's Hotel. Nat, Teddy, our nosy concierge, rummages through the personal effects of an actress staying at the hotel while she's out. What does he find that makes him desire her or desire to be her? Uh, I think as he's nosing around her dressing table, he comes across this um, small enamel powder pot that's got um, fish laid into it, like um, like golden koi carps swirling around. And as he lifts it, there's that, that shade of uh, rouge that uh, only actresses and ladies of the night would use. Polite society ladies would never dare pinch darling and he just dips the tiniest bit on his uh his ring finger and just a little dab of color either side and then replaces the lid and smears it off again love it miss fletcher you go out to the garden where miss bellrose has moved and indeed these two stalkers uh, that are following miss bellrose and Ms. Barrows already has like a group of people around her and she's chatting and going on. You know, you kind of catch her mid-conversation. I mean, he hadn't even heard of the symbolists. Can you even imagine? I said, darling, if it doesn't have the power to utterly consume me, body and soul, what's the point? Meanwhile, <laughs> these two strange women are there just watching. What do you do? I'm going to walk up to the group nearby I'm I'm picturing the the sort of not the balcony that sort of courtyard outside that's got this um, stone balustrade mm. along and there which overlooks a grand lawn 
that's got various sort of torch lights in various places that you, you can't stray too far from because that would be inappropriate tryst territory. But as long as you're in on the stone forecourt, you're fine. Uh, I'll lean against the, the balustrade nearby and I'm just trying to, my, my brain has immediately, short-term memory, forgotten exactly what she just said. Uh, uh, just, uh, something about the symbolists <laughs> and being consumed. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And what is it that, uh, that does consume the body and soul of the inestimable Ms. Bellrose? And she looks at you and she says, well, I hope it's you. I hope you might have said that, care to dance? I would love that. And she kind of parts the crowd. She's taller than you. How does that make you feel? I'm not too bothered. Mm. That's fine. I'm used to people being taller, shorter. Ms. Estrella, you and Jonathan are approached by someone who you know, a playwright, Mr. Oren Blackwood. He has a magnificent nest of feathery hair, bright silk vests, ink-stained fingers always. He's not even wearing a mask. <laughs> and he comes up to you and he says, Ms. Estrella, uh, it, wh what are the chances of someone like you being somewhere like here? Oh, well, if it is a place to be, then I will be there. The question is, who let you in? <laughs> Please, Ms. Estrella, this is well-timed. I have, <clears throat> I have a work that is in progress. It's a fantastic piece about, well, it's about, it's about myth. It's about the gods and goddesses. And, well, I hope you don't think me too forward, but I, I've based one of the characters on you. Oh, um, well, uh, that, that might have been very kind of you, but I suppose that depends what the, what the, who the character is and what are they, what we... are they doing. Might we perhaps uh, tomorrow or the next day or the next day or or even the next day, might we have coffee so that I can pick your brain and really understand the essence of you, Mrs. Estrella? I think it will help the uh, yeah. You could try and stop stop by the house at some point next week, but I, I don't know my schedule. I can't guarantee I'll be around. You're welcome to try. You will notice, Mrs. Estrella, that the silk vest he's wearing has that strange shimmer to it, like the dress um, did. That is you'll a... also notice, not to cut you off, you will also no, notice, you will notice the blonde that you had hoped would be here currently dancing with Wild Rose Fletcher. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Let's cut over to Mr. Hart. No, actually, Granson. Oh. Granson. Ms. Abigail Walker, the head of the Blue Feather Society, she comes up to you after, you know, on tea break or whatever, and tightly bound hair, stiff posture, a very severe expression looking over tiny spectacles, and she's smoking a Blackbriar calabash pipe. She comes up to you and she says, I don't think I've ever seen you at meetings of the Society before. Uh, uh, no, I am, um, this is my first time. Um, Granson, um, I'm wanted to I was quite looking forward to um uh currently forgotten his name that's not very good um 
Uh, Sir Richard. I, Sir Ri- I was looking forward to Sir Richard's thing, but unfortunately it seems I was too late. So, I, But I thought I would come and see what your society was all about. Now, the thing is, you actually, um, you may not know her, but she, but Hargrave House does. She's the one who brought this case to Hargrave House. Ah, so, okay. Uh, so she does not actually know you because you're just a servant. But uh, Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you will know her for sure. Yes. Um, she says, oh, so then you haven't heard then. Uh, heard what? Well, or Sir Richard, they found him dead. Uh, what a terrible shame. Um, what a loss to our community. Hollowed out like a gourd. I see. Um, I don't suppose. Um, and, she, and I'll look round the. Presumably. It's utterly fascinating. It, yes. It's. Um, sorry, hollowed out in what way? Uh, I, I will lean in close and see if she's got any other details that we don't know about in any yeah, reports and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Anything that's not been. Um, we'll come back to this. Mm-hmm. Mr. Hart, you go downstairs. I'm not going to make you roll because you already kind of are ready to do this, whereas Miss Fletcher kind of stumbled onto it. You go downstairs carefully, quietly, earning your O. You get down there, and in fact, this space is lit by dozens of lamps hanging from the ceiling. They're flickering lights, almost trying to escape this cellar area, but... They can't because they don't even penetrate up to the top. They're only lit when you go down there. Shelves overflow with cascading bolts of expensive cloth. Walls are overgrown with grasping vines and withered flowers. Suits and gowns of exquisite craftsmanship line the room. And connected by faint silvery thread and frozen in uncanny human gestures are mannequins. But they are bodies not mannequins. Paint the scene, everyone. The bodies dressed and preserved here have been arranged with obsessive attention to detail. How does their presentation mimic the setting of a fae court? I think several of them are sat around a table in a grotesque mimic of a feast of uh, indulgence. I think there's uh, been slight uh, disfigurements made to the bodies to make them seem more fey, uh, in that there's perhaps some of that, that silvery thread has been used to make the eyebrows sort of longer or or the ears have been carved into points or the fingernails have unusually grown long. I think, as it is a court... In such a way, there of course has to be um, a throne of some sort, uh, but there isn't. It is more that particular mannequin is obviously created in such a way, again, that's a disfigurement where they look like they're doing a terrible sort of squat, frozen arms sort of like stuck in a place as if they are sitting but with no chair there whatsoever. And on their head, um, just a simple ribbon uh, tied with a bow at the back, a black ribbon to signify a crown. There's another figure that um, would be playing a harp, as like or as like a smaller harp, willing to receive feedback about what the actual name of this small harp situation is. <laughs> it's made of of bone to make the frame, and then 
the strings are not I'm not precisely sure but they're they're clearly sort of bodily like sinew or something like gut yeah yeah I will I'll take anything whether we want to go with (laughs) I mean like I feel intestines a bit wide but you know there's some there's something well dried out they would be quite you know thin so okay I'll take it I'll take it thank you for helping me draw that don't ask me why I know this there's no particular reason why I know that Mm-hmm. This is a safe yeah. space, right? This and Twitch, and this, yeah. we're all good. Yeah, we won't, we won't investigate that any further, Jason, don't worry. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Back to Brown's, Brown's Hotel. Helen, Teddy, our concierge, draws a hot bath for a pair of good-looking young men staying in the same room. In what ways does Teddy help bring the erotic subtext of this bath to the fore? So he scented the bath and the room with lavender and rose oils. So there's that heady scent. There's there's um, a, a couple of lanterns lit, and there's a small posy of um, carnations and violets um, on one of the bedside tables. Lovely, thank you. Well, the party's in full swing. Wild Rose is dancing with this beautiful, attractive young woman, Mrs. Estrella, the young woman you hope to run into. The obnoxious Mr. Blackwood is trying to get you to agree to a meeting with him. Jonathan is just happy to be here. <laughs> so true. It's a vibe. Yeah. So um, what's happening? Like, are you going to respond to that? Or Wild Rose, what are you doing? What's happening here? While we're dancing, I would like to just clock, if I can, the the two women in the lacy veils. What have they done? Have they followed us in? Are they on the edge of the dance floor? What are they, doing? they have gone up to the balcony. You don't even remember seeing them move there. They're just there. Mm-hmm. And they're watching down below by themselves. And I'm going to give you a condition, Wild Rose, called Marked by the Sisters Sandula. Oh, no. Oh, that does not sound good. <laughs> yeah, that's not confused <laughs> and intrigued. Marked, marked in a positive way. Yeah, toast of the uh, town or something. They're going to buy me an ice cream later. <laughs> marked as a wonderful dancer. Yeah. But how do you know? Um, how do you know? How do you know their attention is focused on you now? As opposed to Sylvia's. Yes, I mean because they're wearing veils, you can't see their faces, but you you just know. How do you know? I think there's one of my tattoos that is itching, and it's a spider web. Oh, good, 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 good. Mrs. Estrella, what are you doing right now? So I think she's spotted the two things simultaneously, as you as you helpfully described. She's really inconvenient. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, so I think this time she does seem to actually be a bit closer to keeping her mind on the exercise at hand. So she asks... Orin, am I saying the name correctly? Mr. Blackwood? Yes, Orin, yeah. That's a a rather unusual garment you're wearing. Where did you get that shirt? Make the information move with presence. Okay. I've got six on my dice. And, um, oh, and I have two presents. That puts me at eight. Very good. We'll come back to this. I'll give you a clue in a bit. Okay. The grandson, Hmm. Ms. Walker... She kind of mentioned that, like, Sir Richard was killed. 
Um, and then what did you say? I, I was trying to find out more information about, like, if there's any other details. Oh, there's a detail that she left out, yeah, or something yeah. she recalls. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. uh, make the information move with, I would say, presence. Yeah. Okay. Unless there's some subterfuge here, otherwise it's composure. But if you're just, if there's not, I think I think fine. I I think, yes, I would, because I've, I've not been recognized. And I'm deliberately sort of, again, not saying right. that I'm part of the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I just yeah. composure, then. Yeah. yeah, I think composure is probably the right one, then. Yeah. Uh, that is in total with the plus one. That's a nine in total. Okay, we'll come back to that at the end, Mr. Hart. You're down in the cellar with this elaborate, horrifying scene that's been described. What do you do? Mm. <laughs> How are you feeling? First of all, I'm feeling uneasy, which is saying a lot for a heart that's seen a lot during their lives. This is this is starting to to get interesting. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to carefully walk forwards, careful not to try and knock into any stray webbing. And I want to check to see if everybody's actually dead. <laughs> Make the information move with I will. composure. Okay. I would make anyone else roll the night move, but because you are a monster hunter, I'm giving the the, the benefit of that. That's very kind of you. Uh, so that is a six and eight nine on the dice. Uh, so that, oh, that's a ten. Oh. Very good. Our final stop at Brown's Hotel. Strat Teddy returns to his tiny, dingy flat in East London. What do we see in Teddy's apartment that shows how he tries to incorporate bits of glamour into his dull grey life? So Teddy. Um, hasn't left everything that he's rummaged through at the hotel. But he's very careful with what he takes. The last thing he'd want to do is be found out and fired from this place that is his life. So it's things that people wouldn't go missing. A hat pin, sort of a, a, a box of matches from a fancy club or a gentleman's club or, or spot. Um, an empty packet of cigars that he would never be able to afford. Rubbish to to a clientele. Uh, and he's also, um, he's, those are scattered around the room and also pinned to the wall are cuttings from newspapers and society papers of illustrations of balls with people in, in dresses. And there's one particular one that's in pride of place above his bed of a, a gentleman, a lady um, dancing and fireworks in the background. And he has delicately coloured certain sections in with whatever pigments he can he can find again if you looked at it, it would be dirt rubbed on it but to him it's helping bring some of this this vibrancy out and he's made the the fireworks exploding above this dancing couple a, a vivid red mm, i love it i'm going to do a echo in the night and say that the ball concludes with a fireworks display outside you know, kind of hear the popping and the sizzling and the light kind of coming into the dance floor and Sylvia sort of like, she's very, she's very drunk on you, Wild Rose. She's never met an American before, especially one like you. No, and, don't blame her. <laughs> and she says, what are you doing tomorrow? I don't know. You tell me. How about breakfast at my place? Breakfast seems like a very long time away, doesn't it? Well, perhaps we can 
find a way to pass the time. And before you know it, breakfast will be waiting right outside our door. Now that sounds delightful. You know, I, where I'm from, we, we hear all sorts of stories of enchanting creatures. Some nearly as an enchanting as yourself. One of which I heard about was this, this beautiful woman who, who could enrapture anyone just by a mere glance to the side. Silken blonde hair, waft of lavender about her. And you know, it turned out that underneath it all, and now I am not, I would never dream of casting aspersions on you, Miss Bellrose. I, I know the real deal when I see it. But you see here, this, this woman back in the States, cousin of mine, one of their friends encountered her and said that it was all down to the clothes you wear. You know, the outfit actually sells the person more than uh, the skin, the hair, the appearance. Turned out that uh, it was the dress rather than the person that was enchanting. I don't suppose you know anything. Uh, that doesn't sound familiar at all to you, does it? I'm trying it to pull off the Tall Tales move here. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I like it. That's good. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, I didn't realize that's what you were angling for, but it makes sense now. <laughs> Let's read it. It says tall tales. Um, when you tell a story from back home that's wildly unbelievable in order to charm someone, <laughs> roll with presence. I was fully charmed by that. Yeah, so. me too. I'm, 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 I'm Fiona are like, yes. we're, cue we're, we're, we're queuing. We're queuing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that was uh, that was a five on the dice. That's so only a six total. Oh! oh. And I put on a mask to resist it, just because uh, story-wise, I think it's more interesting. Well, I will tell you what would have happened if you didn't. Okay. But what would have happened if you didn't is that I think you would have found her strung up by silver threads by the end of the night, hollowed out like a husk. And the sister Sindula watching your reaction. But if you put on the Janus mask, that won't happen. And yeah. she will give you a clue. It's a clue I'll share tomorrow. Pillow talk clue, say, if you do end up spending the night with her. Well, the, uh, the imperative at this point, clearly the dress is the issue. So we've got to get her out of it. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> Ms. Estrella, I owe you a clue as well, but there's a complication on your role because you got a mid-result, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's the same complication, which is you're going to get it tomorrow because Mr. Blackwood says, I actually have quite a lot to say about the seamstress who sold this vest to me. I would love to come by Hargrave House in the morning to tell you all about it. I, do, I, I don't see people until I've had my breakfast, but um, I think I'm happy to wait work. in the foyer. <laughs> I'm not sure about the foyer, but um, we'll see. Uh, yes, drop by. Jonathan, Jonathan gives him a really hateful look, <laughs> like really, really hateful, like mean look. 
<laughs> with his one eye. Oh, yeah. yeah. Narrows the one eye. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I, th- I, oh, do I see that or do I not see that? Uh, it's, I just, it's just a little bit of fun for, for us. I don't know. That's okay, that's good. Then, uh, okay, well, I'll save Jonathan from best slap then. <laughs> I just have not noticed it. Ms. Grantson, or Grantson, I should say. <laughs> Abigail Walker says, <clears throat> you know, it's it's a funny thing. I didn't think it was important at the time, but, uh, well, <laughs> you're going to think this is very, very silly. But this was found among Sir Richard's things. I kept it as a memento, but now I realize that perhaps there might be a connection to what happened to him. Maybe I should give it to Scotland Yard, I don't know. But she shows you mm. a book, this is your clue, a book of fairy tales bound in pale blue leather with silver embossing. Comments and corrections are scrawled in the margins in an elegant script of unknown language. <laughs> Someone commenting on the fairy tales. <clears throat> and... That's your clue. <laughs> a person after my own heart, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Mr. Hart. Hmm. There's a voice from the shadows of the ceiling of the cellar. <laughs> a woman's voice. She says, One of the legendary Hart family stalking in my workshop at night. This is the sort of thing that is like to set you trembling. Should I be scared, Mr. Hart? Should I be worried that the legendary Requiem will soon be piercing my breast? Fear is for the weak. Feel how you will, but know this. Move too fast. And the feeling may be fleeting. How about you come out from the shadows and see if facing me is worthy of fear? I think I just prefer to keep my eyes on you for now. And this is your clue. In the shadows, they're illuminated by rows of red glowing eyes. That will conclude the night phase. We don't don't see how that concludes, except the next morning you're at Hargrave House. That's what we know for sure. Oh, let's go to the dawn. The lovely Dawn, uh, with a note that I do owe clues to Ms. Fletcher and Ms. Estrella, uh, daytime clues following up from the night. But for now, our Dawn phase steps, uh, we would collect rewards if the threat had been resolved, but it's not. So we do the Dawn questions. Everyone has the same two first questions. Did the hunters answer a capital Q question? And did the hunters resolve a threat? Uh, the answer is no for everyone so far on that. But you might have experienced an echo in the night. Wild Rose, did you get an echo in the night? You very kindly suggested there might have been one with the uh, 
the fireworks going off. Fireworks, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I didn't, I didn't quite get it in there in time, but I was picturing the uh, the sisters looking down on uh, Rose and Sylvia dancing, that shape echoing the swimming fish in the enamel. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's well. that's that's lovely. Yeah, I, I love that. That's that's a that's the kind of thing I love. That sort of very like kind of you know sort of like kind of ephemeral connections those are great uh did you stick out in london society for all the wrong reasons miss fletcher <laughs> i mean i went I, I went in in bullshit but people didn't seem to care so. <laughs> <laughs> that's that is true fine. did you use violence to solve the problem not yet not yet <laughs> i think it's coming though <laughs> i think it's coming so you have one XP, you can mark that. Let's go to Grantson. Grantson, did you experience an echo in the night? Uh, don't believe so, no. I think I was just surrounded by academics getting stuff wrong, so... <laughs> there, was, there was no uh, spark of joy compared to some of the other scenes. <laughs> oh, but you know what, though? You did describe, um, in the beginning, you described the party I that... Did, yes. Behind door. That's, that's what the whole uh, uh, Midsummer Masquerade thing was. So yeah, you can take it for that. Oh, okay. Um did you ensure your employer got credit for your triumphs? I would say no, because unfortunately he was too busy sorting out a panther. Or, <laughs> um, and yeah, because I, I didn't do anything else on that, but I was just gathering information. So yes, so no, uh, I don't think so, no. Okay. Did you engage in a petty reprisal of someone who angered Mr. Hart? No. I don't know if that came up either. No, I don't yeah. think so. I, I can set that up for you next time, though. <laughs> um, Ms. Estrella. Mrs. Stray, you definitely got an echo in the night with the lavender. Um, did you let someone touch you and then make and then make them pay a price for doing so, Mrs. Straya? No, I think it was clear that Jonathan has done enough before we picked up on the action. Um, so, no. Did you express a clear preference for the beautiful over the mundane? I don't I know how so. clear. Yeah. Okay, it felt like cool. a general vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I felt very clear yeah, of your character, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have two XP? Oh. Let's go to Mr. Hart. Uh, Mr. Hart, did you get an echo in the night? I was angling for um, dancing red spurt being an echo of the flashback I told rather than... Oh, um, I'm into it. No, that's great. No, that, that's... So that I, okay. um, did you loudly curse your family's name? Uh, no, no, I've got to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. It's on the list. <laughs> did you revel in the thrill of the hunt? Not quite. It's all been a little bit run-of-the-mill for Jonas. It seems like it's, things have just started getting interesting, so I think next okay. session, I mean, the I, revelry may begin. I, I don't know. I feel I feel like you saying that catchphrase of, of the heart thing felt very... Yeah. Oh, uh, you did, because you were like... That's true. It was like your like you can never stop a heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. that was great. I thought that was great. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gotta have a catchphrase, right? As a, as a superhero hunter, yeah. it made, made me cool. think I'll of made me think of Rick Mail in uh, Blackadder. Yes, mm. <laughs> less love. If you wish, surprise, go for but good. If yeah, you wish, you can all um, change your dawn questions or leave them either or both the same. If you wish, uh, but you have an option now. Okay. Mm -hmm, cool. Yeah, I think I'm good with fine. And we would resolve any playbook moves. Um, uh, Wild Rose, the only thing is just that you no longer get your super-powered uh, animal magnetism. But I was, just so you know, I was interpreting Sylvia's attraction to you because 
of your mastery of the quickening. It's like she was drawn to that. So it had an effect, even though it didn't have a die effect. I, I was playing it that way. The last thing is, uh, do we have any Janus masks that are open right now? I think we have one for Grantson, but I don't know if anybody else does. I think it's just okay. me, yeah. Uh, I yeah. went on to oh. make sure I succeeded the roll as well. Uh, yeah, well, whenever either of you are ready, go for it. Uh, you first, Fiona. Yeah, sure. Um, you think I'd had time to prepare, like Strat did, but I didn't. Uh, so yeah, so I marked the first one, so that's narrate. A flashback to your young adulthood before you were a servant that shows your most significant professional triumph. I think Granson, if you do the flashback, you see a, a much younger Granson, still sort of like this very stony, short woman um, with an umbrella, uh, bustling through um, the, uh, the the London streets. Uh, people actually making way for her um, randomly. And she goes into a, a big building. And you can see other people sort of looking as she goes. Again, her hair up. Like, not really changed much in terms of appearance, but... Uh, her striding this time it's more purposeful and she goes and she opens a door into a big lecture theatre and in the centre of the lecture theatre uh, it's like one of those you know like sort of in the round sort of thing you can see uh, lots of uh, young men all dressed up and there's a cadaver on the um, on sort of a not a stretcher but like on the table sort of and, and they sort of look and say oh grandson come in we're just about to begin and she goes and she you can see that she's sort of there and she is chosen to help with sort of the um, dismemberment, sort of like the anatomy lesson that is happening. Uh, and she is one of the brightest sort of upcoming doctors uh, and also the only sort of female one of this class. Everyone else is sort of a, a young man, something. And she's just sort of there, quiet, not really sort of taking it, but it's as with the scalpel as well, is just taking the joy in sort of like making those incisions, making it and like sort of. There's no, there's not like um, it's not like a, uh, what's the word? It's not like indulging in it, or it's not nothing like that. It's just the, the, the precise nature of it, everything in its place, and the body itself. It doesn't look human. It's sort of you know, it's preserved in that sort of way that you know, it is used for a medical purpose. It's used for a learning purpose, and so sort of hearkening back to um, uh, Helen's suggestion of the medical kit as well. You see, uh, sort of left at the side is her medicine bag with her uh, initials imprinted on it. Fantastic, thank you. Ms. Fletcher? Mm. Uh, so we flash back and we see a young Constance Fletcher, seven or eight years old, um, running down the corridor of a large house, being reprimanded for it by, uh, by a housekeeper, and then being sort of guided would never be forcefully dragged but uh, but she's certainly dragging her heels as much as she can into uh, a large stuffy library full of books that she has not been able to read because she is then turned into a corner where there is an embroidery hoop and uh, and some a selection of flowers to choose from that uh, that are all just a little bit dull but as she looks out over the uh, over the lawns one of her brothers is practicing an older brother is practicing his uh, his riding skills uh, on horseback up and down the the long expanse of lawn fantastic 
Well, then in that case, before we do a quick debrief, I know we're over time, but I apologize for that. But before we do debrief, I do want to say that uh, the camera of our television show, so to speak, <laughs> swoops away from London and takes us out into the country. A grand manor house out in the country. And we go into this manor house and we see an enormous map of London. It's huge. It takes up this uh, huge wall, vaulted ceiling, and the map goes all the way up. And sitting before the map, faced away from us, is a wingback chair, but there's someone sitting in the chair looking at the map. And coming into frame is an extremely old butler <laughs> with a drink on a tray, very, very slowly doddering across the room with the tray. Takes a while. He gets there, and the person sitting in the chair takes the glass, and now we can see who it is. It is a woman, an older woman. Her beauty slightly faded, but only slightly, wearing a brilliant sapphire gem choker around her neck. She takes a sip of her drink, and then she gets up and walks over to her map of London. She has metal pins, and she sticks one in the address, the approximate location of Sir Richard's flat. And then she takes another and sticks it in Hargrave House. And then she takes a drink and gives a very self-satisfied smile. And that will conclude our session. <laughs> no. Amazing. Um, if we have time, just we could just do like a quick debrief would be great. Yes. Um, I like to do a debrief called Stars and Wishes. Stars are things that you enjoyed about today. Um, either something one of your fellow players did or something I did or something about the game uh, or the scenario. And then wishes are things that you hope to see tomorrow when we play. So whoever wants to go first, please do. I uh, would like to give my star to um, Helen and all of Eve's just awful, snappy Beautiful. comments. <laughs> just, just brilliant. I loved it. It's fantastic. <laughs> She's awful. I hate her, and I love her. Um, <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. And wishes. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any like, oh gosh, darn it, we didn't get to do that, and I'm really bummed about it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to more tomorrow, and maybe doing a bit of ass kicking. <laughs> uh, I think my star just goes to the world we're all building, and thank you, Jason, for guiding us into it. It's very vivid and real for me, and there's a definite mise-en-scene being created. I, I, I loved it. Um, and my wish is actually, uh, Del Sol's quite likely to, to Nats, I, I want to I know what happens when you quicken. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was ready for a bad role. I was like, ooh, what's she going to become? So I, I really want to see what happens, and also uh, kind of what happens when jo when Jonas is maybe faced with an out of control fellow hunter. I don't know. Uh, my star, uh, well, I'll, I'll say my kind of general. It's kind of 
lots of stars. I really enjoyed, um, I think everyone did a really good job tonight, uh, I or today. I really love, everyone seemed to slip into the characters pretty easily and give us lots of good detail, which I, I liked. Um, we had talked earlier about like me wanting before we got on the recording, me wanting like lots of sensory detail and lots of gore. And like, I got that right. Like, and so I was very, very happy with that. Um, I particularly enjoyed the, the moment with Jonathan showing his eye was so gruesome so and gruesome. really, really good. Um, I really dug this, like kind of, um, this like dynamic between Sylvia and, uh, and Rose Fletcher. That was great fun. Uh, I, I had a really good, I really like Granson a lot. Granson has this like really interesting, um, you know, I intentionally like kind of like sideline Granson in yeah, like, yeah, yeah. in a way, because that's what the factotum is, right? They are meant to be sidelined. But in a lot of ways, Granson is like really like kind of pivotal to the investigation and the story. Like we see Grants a lot of it through Granson. And so that's, and the way you're playing it is really, really good. Um, it feels very grounded and cool. Um, and I loved all the flashbacks and stuff with uh, Jonas Hart, like particularly the hunting the child vampire it was really, really good. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So just uh, all around, everybody did a fantastic job today. Um, and my wish is, you know, I don't know what we're going to get to tomorrow because uh, I'm going to run it just like it's a regular session too, even though it's, you know, our, our, just a two shot for us. But I hope that you're able to, at the very least, resolve the threat to figure out, you know, to, to make the spider silk seamstress stop, stop killing people. <laughs> so however, that, however, you have to, however you have to do it. Yeah. That's the hope, I think. Um, I'll, I'll quickly go. Uh, yeah, my stars is yeah. I I mean I've I've played with uh, most of you before, but uh, again, uh, both Jason and Helen, you've you've blown me away with such cool little details and all. Uh, I I I know I saw someone in the chat saying I just want clips of Fiona's reactions because I'm so invested in all of your performances. That, that's I am proper panto player at the best of times. So that's why I'm like oh cool ah oh, uh, just by myself. But it's just because I'm so enwrapped with the story and I just I all of you've brought it and I, I it is that sort of slow burn horror genre like going down the stairs and i'm just there going don't go down the stairs <laughs> even though i want you to go downstairs so i just love that and i think everyone's just leaning really hard into this 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 sort of weird gothic genre that's so it's so niche and stuff so no thank you so that's to everyone i think everyone did an absolutely cracking job uh my wish is um can we keep playing like i don't want to, <laughs> to stop now but um yeah no i'm so looking forward to tomorrow i i don't have anything specifically i'm just i, I that's the thing i'm just enjoying sitting here being you know when i'm when i'm in the scene i'm like i'm in the scene but if not i'm just i just want more of it so i just i honestly my wish is going to be fulfilled tomorrow uh by, by being a stream as well i'm gonna be very selfish and have another wish um that we at the moment we've had uh quite disparate groups i would like a chance for us to all actually be in the same room and role play together for a little bit as opposed to being like i'm gonna go do this Sounds and good. chat to some npcs that's a great note because the way the gameplay goes is th that's always a session two thing because in session one you, you collect all the conditions basically in session one, right? And then in session two, to clear all those conditions you're all racking up, you have to have intimate scenes with the other hunters while one of you is doing your vice in order to get them cleared. So that's like the natural thing that happens. So yeah, you'll definitely get that tomorrow. Um, it is a, it's a, it's kind of a TikTok the way the game goes. Like we, we hunt, we get conditions, we, we go be broody with each other and angsty. Yeah. So. <laughs> Love that. Uh, so, um, me last again. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, so, I think I need to give my star to Jason's use of the dramatic pause. So, I don't know if it's just to do with your, like, 
your leading style in this context but the amount of times you paused and I was like yes yeah. what yeah, same, Come on. same 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 <laughs> so like not only have you created this wonderful place with us but the the way you are speaking and telling the story not only means I have only got confused about a thing one time but also yeah I've yeah your dramatic pauses have been incredible um my um my wishes is for more um more flirting from everybody please i enjoyed um <laughs> i enjoyed rose and sylvia so much that yeah let's just i don't know you will flirt with each other and i will just abuse you you'll just tell in... us go away <laughs> yeah um Love i mean it would be nice entertainment please <laughs> uh, yeah i mean it would be nice to resolve the mystery but I am also just open to yes. <laughs> no seriously I'm going to be really frustrated if we don't know what's going on okay and I'm we'll, sure we'll, we'll aim to finish the mystery then tomorrow yeah <laughs> sorry all over the place with you this is more what I'm actually like than just um hurt and malicious <laughs> but there we go well, I think that's everybody then yeah mm-hmm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I don't have anything else, so I look forward to uh, tomorrow. Um, Fiona, if you want to show us out of the Twitch or I whatever. Will, I will. Mm-hmm. So um, I've, I've put it in the chat several times, but if you are enjoying this, if you're like, oh, the in-between sounds amazing. I wonder what other RPGs that Jason does. Well, uh, the link to uh, thegauntletrpg.com. Please go check them out. Please go buy the book. The QR code actually is a, is, it goes to that page of, uh, of the between. So it's really easy. Just get your phone up to the screen, unless you're watching it on your phone, and that's really... Well, that's silly, isn't it? You, you don't 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 off yet. Um, but please go check it out. Please go support Jason and and all of his other works. Obviously, Brindlewood Bay we spoke about very briefly at the beginning. Um, the other thing as well, I see Matt has keep, has been putting in the chat. So thank you so much, Matt. But obviously, go check out Merely Role Players, where you can see these three doing all their cool shows as well. I'm in one of them as well. It's the the Nova one. It's I thought I was great in it, but obviously these guys are the more important thing. So great. She was. She was. She was. He was fantastic. I wasn't fishing, but I'll pay everyone afterwards. So it's fine. Um, and just to finally finish off, thank you. So much come back again tomorrow to see part two we're going to start at the same time at half seven gmt and hopefully we'll sort out this mess uh, this mystery uh, until then uh, we're going to awkwardly wave at the screen until i learn how to turn off this uh turn off but thank you so much and uh i guess we'll end off by saying don't have nightmares i guess <laughs> bye guys <laughs> bye will the hunters of hargrave house be able to defeat the fret of the spider silk seamstress find out next time on what am i rolling The What Am I Rolling podcast was created, recorded, and edited by me, Fiona Howard. This episode's players were Nat, Strat, and Helen, some of the cast members from the Millie Roleplayers podcast, and me, Fiona. This episode's special guest GM was Jason Cordova, the creator of Brindlewood Bay, The Between, and Public Access. This episode's RPG was The Between, a tabletop role-playing game about a group of mysterious monster hunters in Victoria-era London. You can find out more information about The Between and get your own copy on the Gauntlet website. That's www.gauntlet-rpg.com. The theme music was 8-Bit March by Twin Musicon of twinmusicon.org, licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. If you want to find out more about the podcast, check out the website. That's www.wairpodcast.com. Fancy getting in touch? Email the podcast at whatamirollingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at WAIR underscore podcast for the latest news on upcoming episodes. 
We also now have a Discord, which is very exciting. So find the link to that in the episode show notes. And remember, adventurers need not apply.